I'm Bob Schieffer. And I'm Andrew Schwartz of the Center for Strategic and International Studies. And this is the truth of the matter. This is the podcast where we break down the policy issues of the day. Since the politicians are having their say, we will excuse them with respect and bring in the experts, many of them from CSIS, people who have been working these issues for years. No spin, no bombast, no finger pointing, just informed discussion. To get to the truth of the matter on what is happening in Libya today, we're going to talk with CSIS's Bülent Alariza. Mr. Alariza is the founding director of the Turkey Project at CSIS. Previously, he served as a Turkish Cypriot diplomat in New York and in Washington. Mr. Alariza, thank you uh, for helping us getting to the truth of the matter on this particular issue. And I give you full credit for bringing this to our attention. You stopped me in the hall the other day and said, we really ought to start taking a look at what's going on in Libya. And that's kind of the mission of this podcast. And that is to alert people to news that may be brewing under the surface and is getting no attention, mainly because there's other news that's just crowding it off the front pages uh, and, and the TV news. And if ever there were a case when this is happening during this impeachment period, uh, this is certainly it. So tell us why we should be thinking about what's going on in Libya, because if I were to run a survey, I would guess there are not many people in America right now who are thinking about it. Well, you know, I first visited uh, Libya in the first decade of Gaddafi's rule, which lasted for over four decades. And I kept my interest in, in Libya, but recently it peaked because of the escalation of fighting over there, which uh, not too many people, as you say, have picked up on. And secondly, uh, the embattled government in Libya, which is officially recognized by the United Nations, somehow secured the backing of Turkey, which became its main backer, and essentially the guarantor of its, of its very survival. So, I mean, that certainly piqued my interest. Uh, I wrote uh, a CSIS commentary. Uh, on it accordingly. And frankly, I think that more people should be interested because, I mean, this is a strategically located country. Uh, this is a country in which the longtime dictator, Gaddafi, uh, was uh, deposed by a NATO uh, operation led by the, the United States back in uh, 2011. Now, one can't say that there was stability under Gaddafi during the time that he was in, in charge. It was sort of the, the peace of the grave. Whoever opposed them was either killed or forced into exile or imprisoned. But there has not been stability uh, since he's been overthrown. And uh, the Arab Spring, of which the change of regime in Libya was a part, has really turned into an Arab winter from one end of the, uh, the Middle East to the other, including in Syria, where there's still this ongoing civil war. And the outcome of the, of the current conflict in Libya, I think, as I said, deserves more attention for a number of reasons. I mean, one is uh, whoever controls that uh, will be a player in the Mediterranean uh, basin and will be able to uh, either lead the country to stability, avoiding the kind of problems uh, that uh, the country has created for its neighbors in the Arab world, as well as uh, for its neighbors to the, uh, to the north beyond the Mediterranean, like uncontrolled uh, illegal migration, uh, terrorism, and it is a factor in the oil picture. Uh, the Libyan sweet crude oil is, is important because of its proximity. It is relatively cheap compared to, to other sources of oil that come from elsewhere. 
and we'll see how uh, how much attention uh, it will get as the situation worsens. Is there an American presence there still? I mean, we all remember Benghazi and the awful things that happened there when Americans died. It became an issue in the 2016 campaign, and it is fact is still an issue for the Trump folk. Who's there? Not too many Americans. The uh, killing of uh, the ambassador, Ambassador Stevens, occurred in uh, 2012. He had actually uh, gone out to Libya even before the civil war was over and had established a, a presence in the country and became the first ambassador. He was directed uh, by the administration, the Obama administration, to go to Benghazi to find out what was going on, and he and was killed by a mob. And that led to the disenchantment of the Obama administration, which frankly was not uh, that interested in staying in Libya beyond the, the overthrow of Gaddafi. It really was the origin of the phrase leading from behind that the Obama team kept on uh, using uh, to explain their foreign policy. Now, Obama subsequently confirmed or admitted that uh, not remaining engaged in Libya was one of his uh, biggest uh, uh, regrets. The U.S. maintained a, a presence for a, a little while longer. The U.S. Embassy in Libya was relocated outside the country, of all places in Malta, believe it or not. There was some degree of interest in a counterterrorism operation, so there were special forces that were sent. Drones were used both in Sirt and in Derna to root out and eliminate ISIS elements. But even that has now uh, been taken off the board. There are some uh, oil companies that still maintain an interest there, although they're engaging in minimal uh, activities because of the, of the civil war. Now, you remember all the way back, uh, some of the biggest companies like Exxon and Nelson Bunker Hunt from uh, Texas were involved. Occidental was very much involved in Libya before Gaddafi and after Gaddafi. But uh, there isn't much of an American presence there now. Andrew? Thanks, Bob. Bulent, can you explain to us who are the warring factions in Libya right now? Who are the opposing factions? What do they want? And who does the U.S. support? Yeah, what a great question. Uh, but unfortunately, it doesn't have a simple answer. For the sake of uh, argument and for simplicity's sake, we could say there are two sides. One is the government of National Accord uh, based in Tripoli to the west of Libya under a man named Sarraj. And that's the officially recognized uh, government of Libya. But uh, that recognition is almost meaningless because the writ of the government in, in uh, Tripoli doesn't go far outside Tripoli, which is in fact besieged by the forces of the other side, which is led by this very interesting uh, character by the name of Haftar, uh, who was a general in Gaddafi's army, was captured in Chad. Uh, the CIA then uh, uh, spirited him out of the country, brought him to Northern Virginia, where he stayed, uh, became a citizen, and after Gaddafi was overthrown, uh, he flew back. And, and he lived in Northern Virginia for like 20 years or something, right? Yep. He, he contributed to political campaigns. He uh, voted in elections and to this day retains an American passport that he refuses to, to give up. People used to talk about him as he was an asset. He was a CIA asset. Never denied. In fact, he got involved in an effort, a secret effort by the CIA to overthrow Gaddafi, right. which failed. Uh, he continued to live in uh, Northern Virginia right up to uh, Gaddafi's overthrow. And then he flew to Libya, ostensibly, as he says, without the, the blessing or support of the, of the CIA, and then mounted this operation and put together these forces, which he calls the Libyan National Army, LNA, which is the other side, Andrew, of the war. And he's actually captured most of the country. 
And so he's based in Benghazi, and he's working his way towards Tripoli as we talk. Well, you know, Libya is a very improbable country. I mean, we don't have time to go into its history, but it's really made up of three different parts, you know, which are, as I said, very different to each other. I mean, there's Tripolitania, Tripoli uh, to the west is the capital of the UN-recognized government. There's Cyrenaica to the east, uh, next door to Egypt uh, with Benghazi as its main city. And then there is the Fazan, the third uh, province, which really has much more in common with uh, sub-Saharan countries like Niger and Chad than with the rest of uh, Libya. And essentially what we have is a war between Cyrenaica, uh, where Haftar is based, and Tripolitania, because all the way back to the Romans and Phoenicians, these two provinces have never really got on. The Italians uh, uh, invaded the country in 1911, put them together. That's where the name uh, Libya comes from. The Italians called it the fourth shore. It was their real crown jewel of their empire uh, under Mussolini. And then the Allied forces uh, took over in 1943, ran it, and then uh, gave under UN auspices independence to, to Libya in 1951. But honestly, you know, you cannot really understand the, the fighting between these two forces without reference to its past, where really this is, is one of the most improbable states, certainly in the region, if not in the world. So who does the United States back, if anyone, in this clash? Well, that's where the complication, uh, one of the complications I, I refer to comes from. Back in April, President Trump called Khalifa Haftar at the urging of President Sisi of Egypt, whom President Trump has called my favorite dictator, gave full support to him in his effort to root out the Islamist terrorists, in essence backing his campaign. Now, the State Department, in fact, the U.S., uh, supports the UN-backed uh, government in uh, Tripoli. But given the fact that Haftar has actually received this call from uh, the president, he really has not taken on board any of the advice that's been given to him by various officials to cease and desist from the fighting. And he believes that uh, if and when he does capture Tripoli, he will do so with the discreet support of the president of the United States. Let me go back and make sure I heard you right. The United States backs one group and the president of the United States has called the leader of another group and said he supports him. Well, he put in a phone call to him in April 2019 when Haftar began the push that has brought him to the outskirts of, of Tripoli and saying, uh, as a Haftar publicized, I support you in your effort to root out the terrorists from your country. The U.S. government still continues to recognize the U.N.-backed government in Tripoli which has the seat at the United Nations and which has an embassy in Washington, D.C. Well, what did they say about the president's call? Well, they were very annoyed. And that needless to say. I would think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they have actually muted their uh, criticism because they continue to maintain a dialogue with the United States. They send you know, ministers over to, to Washington who fail to get the kind of uh, a high-level meeting that Haftar had, at least at the telephone level. So, you know, we can say uh, the policy, the U.S. policy towards Libya, like with many other countries, is uh, is confused and confusing. Is there any chance that Hofter or whatever his name is uh, might be asked to investigate the Bidens? <laughs> <laughs> so far as I know, there's no Biden connection with Libya. And, uh, yeah, you know, Hunter that hasn't been there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know. Uh, well, that's astonishing, though. It is. I don't know why I should be surprised by anything these days. But it is. 
the U.S. is beyond issuing uh, declarations once in a while that the, the U.S. would like to see a ceasefire, lasting ceasefire, and a political settlement involving the parties, and uh, for Libya to return to the stability, which has proved elusive uh, ever since Gaddafi was overthrown. There's not much uh, U.S. involvement. Like I said, there are no U.S. diplomats, no uh, U.S. troops, even of the covert kind, no covert operations of the kind that we saw against the terrorists. And the, the oil workers uh, that were there are not there. So the U.S. is not as committed as uh, certainly in 2011 to the future of Libya. And that is worrisome much more to the government in Tripoli, which wants backing from the United States, because after all, it's the recognized government, than to Haftar, who thinks that, that the U.S. will not mind if it takes over Tripoli. Does that worry you that the United States is not engaged? Yes, uh, because my focus was really uh, drawn back to, to Libya because of the, uh, the agreement that President Erdogan of Turkey signed in November with the government in, uh, in Libya and then began to send troops as well as Syrian opposition forces to, to that country. Now, he's had a couple of conversations with President Trump to try and coordinate his position on this issue. He's backing the, uh, the official government in Tripoli, but he's failing to get it. He's coordinating much more with Russia. So in the absence of us, Turkey and Russia have a hand in Libya. They do, but Andrew, to add one more complication, they're on opposite sides of this conflict. The Russians are backing Haftar through the Libyan version of the little green men that uh, Putin used so effectively in Ukraine, where he was officially denying that Russian forces were involved, except there were these elements controlled by the Kremlin who were there. In this case, the so-called Wagner Group, which is run by Putin's chef, Purgozin, who've been involved in fighting alongside Haftar's forces. These are battle-hardened forces, and they've really turned the tide for Haftar. So Russia seems to be betting on a Haftar victory. Erdogan is trying to defend uh, Saraj and the government in Tripoli. And nonetheless, the two sides are trying to cooperate on Libya, just as on Syria, where they're again on opposite sides. And the U.S. is AWOL. Are there any other foreign powers that are meddling around there? Absolutely. Haftar would not have been as successful as he has been without the backing of Egypt. Given the fact that Benghazi is right next door to, to Egypt, that is obviously a key factor in the equation. President Sisi of Egypt, who overthrew the Muslim Brotherhood government in Cairo, sees the government in Tripoli you know, as a Muslim Brotherhood-led government and would like to see Haftar overthrow it. Uh, the financial backing for Haftar comes from the United Arab Emirates. There are stories that Saudi Arabia is also involved, but it's mostly Abu Dhabi uh, and Dubai that are providing the, uh, the funds. And also... Jets from the UAE have actually carried out bombing runs uh, against Tripoli and gone back. And also, I mentioned Russia with the Wagner Group and some French elements, again, very discreetly, who have been helping uh, the Haftar forces. On the other side, Saraj, the military level, can only count on, on Turkey for its very survival, as I said. Uh, but beyond that, although other countries recognize uh, the uh, government in Tripoli, very few are willing to send troops to actually support it against Haftar. Now, Chancellor uh, Merkel of Germany called a uh, kind of a summit of various people. Uh, and when was that? Was that 19th. in January or January last 19th. year? January 19th. It was actually a very big gathering. It was officially called the Berlin Conference. And it was ostensibly to bring uh, the two warring parties together, along with Russia and Turkey, which had met in Moscow with the two warring parties just one week before along with the African Union, the European Union, on the, the UN auspices. The conference itself was on the UN auspices. And this was January of last year? No, no, this year. This year? This year, this year. But both this conference, which came up with this very long uh, uh, communique of 57 points, I believe, 
and the Moscow meeting before failed in essence because the fighting continued. And in fact, Haftar and Sarraj, who were at both meetings, both the Moscow meeting and then the Berlin conference, they even refused to be in the same room together. And Haftar left without committing himself to a ceasefire and then promptly cut off the oil exports by the government in, uh, in Tripoli and mounted uh, a missile attack in the very center of Tripoli. So clearly, he's intent on a victory and not intent honoring any kind of ceasefire. Well, this is obviously just an enormous mess here that uh, nobody seems to be prevailing at this point. But where do you see this going? Well, the military equation is such that the government in Tripoli cannot go beyond survival to actually conquering the whole country and bring it under its control. This is not the case in Syria, where the Assad government, with Russian help and Iranian help, seems to gain control of most of the country. That is clearly beyond the capabilities of Sarraj and the government in Tripoli. But that's not the case with Haftar. There is a possibility that Haftar could actually win this and take over Tripoli. But, you know, it might be Pyrrhic victory because, you know, the country was not in a good state before, after Gaddafi, after the prolonged civil war, it will be even worse. Now, it has oil, which they could pump up to the kind of levels that we had before. They went up to 3 million barrels a day uh, under Gaddafi at one stage. Uh, that could provide revenue to help uh, fix the country. I mean, clearly, both the Russians and the Turks and the French, and I assume the Italians, as the nearest uh, and former colonial power, are interested in being part of the reconstruction if and when Libya gets to that point. But at this moment, it's difficult to see if and when that reconstruction will come. Other than the Libyans themselves, the only reason anybody's really interested is because of the oil, correct? Oil and gas. There's a gas pipeline that takes some gas to, to Italy, but it's really mostly the oil that has attracted uh, people to Libya. I mean, one uh, little anecdote from, from the past, I think Andrew will illustrate the point you just made. In 1951, it was literally the poorest country in the world. Mm -hmm. And its main uh, uh, source of revenue was the scrap metal left over from the Second World War when Roman's armies were fighting Monty's, uh, uh, you know, red desert rats in uh, the Libyan desert. That's incredible. Well, why are we not there? Is it, is it because this administration has taken the posture that we're going to withdraw from the Middle East, we're going to withdraw our forces everywhere we can. I mean, clearly, you know, our air power can be there within 10 minutes. We have a Suda Bay in Crete, which is just across the Libyan Sea. They can, we can mobilize and be there very quickly, Aviano, like literally within minutes. Aviano Air Base in, in Italy is yeah. one of the biggest bases. Yeah. Now, there are drone bases in uh, northern Niger, right. which provide CT capabilities. But much as I'd like to say it was the fault of this administration that there is a lack of interest on the part of the U.S. in this important uh, issue. But as I said, the Obama administration, having helped overthrow Gaddafi as part of an international Lost NATO interest, office, yeah. said we're not interested in uh, doing the kind of nation state building that the previous administration got involved in and basically disengaged uh, to the point that there was a mess and the mess, like I said, really can be traced back to not just uh, to the Civil War, not, not just to the overthrow of Gaddafi, but also the beginning of the Civil War in 2015, which is when Obama was in, uh, in office. So this is clearly across two administrations right. that there's a neglect of U.S. interest in this country. Not only is there no implementation of, uh, of U.S. interests in a coherent policy, but there hasn't even been a determination of what those national in interests are, which is you know, frankly, uh, outrageous. And ultimately, it's going to be very dangerous because the U.S. cannot disengage itself from this important country, 
right in the middle of the Mediterranean, so close to Europe with all sorts of terrorism, refugee and migration implications, without ultimately having to come in in one form or another to help clean up the mess, which is what happened in 2011. Now, before then, Andrew, there was a long period when Gaddafi was in charge where it was difficult to engage uh, Libya. You know, Hillary Clinton had actually received one of his sons, you may remember, I think it was 2011 at the State Department, which caused some consternation. But all the way from 1969, when he took over and moved against U.S. interests, to uh, when he was overthrown, there was very little engagement with Libya. There was that effort to actually get it to, to give up the nuclear uh, capabilities right. that uh, Stephen Kappas of the CIA had brokered, that Bolton referred to when he was trying to... Right, and that, that was under George W. Bush. Right. Correct. And and George W. Bush and Tony Blair actually brokered that deal. Right. And, and Tony and, Blair... Right. And, and Gaddafi went along with it. And Tony Blair then visited Gaddafi in his tent. And then there was, <laughs> right. an, there was an engagement between the UK and Libya. And there were uh, BP and British gas were going to come in. But it really didn't come to too much. And then Gaddafi was overthrown. But then there was no policy of re-engagement with a post-Gaddafi Libya, which is what should have been done, which is why Obama says he regrets it. And honestly, 10 years on, almost 10 years on, uh, we still don't have even the beginnings of the kind of review that will lead to a coherent policy. What is our interest in being there? If you were talking to a group of college students and they said to you, is this important to the United States? And if so, why? You remember that Reagan had actually bombed uh, Libya because he had uh, identified Gaddafi and Gaddafi's various efforts um, yeah. uh, throughout the Middle East as being disruptive and contrary to, to U.S. interests. Now, having a benevolent leader who is, you know, uh, friendly to the U.S. would be good. But uh, the kind of neglect that uh, allowed Gaddafi to stay in power for, you know, four decades and, and to engage in the kind of mischief that he was engaging in, which Reagan tackled, but not in a decisive manner, was obviously um, you know, contrary to U.S. interests. Now, either Libya will emerge as a country that will uh, be a responsible member of the uh, international community and you know, produce oil, restrict uh, illegal migration to Europe, cooperate with counterterrorism, or it will continue to be the kind of mess that will produce its version of ISIS. I mean, remember, when the U.S. engaged in operations in, uh, in certain Dagna a few years ago, in conjunction with the government in, in Tripoli, by the way, it did so against uh, ISIS elements. These weren't people who had actually come over from Syria. These were locals who had established their own franchise against uh, American interests, uh, Western interests. So neglect Libya at your peril. One way or another, every one of these uh, failed state countries eventually comes back to haunt uh, the countries that ignore it and challenge your interests. Has Turkey so far shown much interest in this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Turkey has committed itself to the survival of the uh, the government. Now, I think the question is still... We're on the same side with Turkey on that. Technically, yes, in the sense that, uh, that the U.S. recognizes the government that Turkey has committed itself to support. But two conversations between the Turkish president and, and the U.S. president have failed to uh, work out you know, a practical uh, arrangement involving coordination in an effective way. And the fact is that Trump, by the sound of it, and by uh, judging by the conversation he had with Haftar, would not mind Haftar overthrowing the government uh, in Tripoli. We want to thank you for coming here today, for suggesting that we uh, look at this whole issue. We really appreciate that. And uh, 
we always appreciate it when someone can come here and bring us the truth of the matter. I'm Bob Schieffer. And I'm Andrew Schwartz. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts from Into Africa, The Asia Chessboard, China Power, AIDS 2020, The Trade Guys, Smart Women, Smart Power, and more. You can listen to them all on major streaming platforms like iTunes and Spotify. Visit csis.org slash podcasts to see our full catalog 